So it's my pleasure today to welcome Hannah Catley, owner of Lockdown Loaves in Bristol. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you for joining me today as part of the Food People In Conversation With. Thanks for having me. Yeah, how have you found the last four months, the highs and the lows, and how have you turned lockdown into an opportunity? It'd be good to hear that from your perspective. How's your world been? So the last four months have been crazy. Um, so I was working at Allegra before all this kind of kicked off, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we very quickly noticed that things started to decline um, with regards to people coming in. Um, we got so quiet almost immediately because people yeah. were just too scared to go out to dinner. Um, and then just before the lockdown was announced, we were all kind of almost made made redundant, crazy, because it literally happened overnight. Um, and then, thank God, the next day they announced the furlough scheme, uh, which was great. Uh, absolutely saved so many people. Um, so then I came home to Bristol because I didn't know what, how long it was going to last. Um, and I couldn't warrant really carrying on paying rent in London whilst not knowing if there's going to be another like a job waiting for me afterwards and that yeah. kind of thing. Because um, it was just so out of the blue, like no one really knew what was going to happen. Um, so I came back to Bristol and I was so bored. <laughs> um, so I just started baking, uh, just for my family, starting off. And then they kind of got pretty mad with me and were like, we're going to get so fat during lockdown. If you keep <laughs> baking the stuff, you have to give it away to people. Um, so I did. I started giving it to my neighbours and people like that. And they loved it. Um, and then at that point, I had a mixture of panic because... I was thinking, I'm not going to have a job after this and no one's going to be hiring. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of that mixed with, I actually really am enjoying what I'm doing. And there seems to be a market for it in Bristol because no one's really doing anything like it. Uh -huh. So I started posting on social media and just started posting if anyone wanted to buy bread. Um, it started off just bread. And then I started doing like little sweet treats and things like that. And I think it was by the fourth week, I had 150 return customers and wow. was so shocked that it had taken off so fast. And then I, in passing, said to my dad, I'd love to get my hands on the bakery that I used to go to when I was a kid that's right next to my school. Oh, wow. Um, and he said to me that it's been empty for three months, which was total coincidence um and I called the number that was on the window and that was, they were trying to lease it and I called them and said is it still available and he said no it's gone <laughs> um, which was I mean we were so upset and then three weeks later he called me back and said are you still interested because it's just become available again and I jumped on it um so I jumped on it and We've been refurbishing it because it was an absolute dump. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like it from the pictures. <laughs> yeah, so we literally gutted it. We pulled all the floors up. We tore the ceiling out. Um, and it's all just been me and my family just working on it. My great uncle, who's 80 years old, laid the floor for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just been like a really slow adapting into what we need to do in order to have something that's going to be okay if there is another lockdown. Um, I mean, the bakery um, side of things is so easy to adapt with lockdown because people always want local produce. I think there's a lot of people that are still, you know, trying to find ways in which they can support 
people that are small businesses and that are independents and things like that, um, which has been highlighted a lot during lockdown. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? Why do you think, the, the, from your point of view, there's that desire to connect locally? I think it's almost. I, I know that there was a lot of it before, but I think since covid and people have had to queue for hours on end at the supermarket um now that they've been forced to do it i think they're enjoying it and they're kind of like i actually really like what i'm getting and the experience and all of that kind of thing and they're just like why haven't i done this before um so i think the demand has just become so much higher because of this which is great yeah when you say and you mentioned the word enjoyment there which you mentioned a few moments ago and you said when you you first uh, started out on this you started baking bread at home and, and giving it to friends and neighbors and that kind of thing and found that you really enjoy it can I ask what it is that you enjoy about it what kind of yeah excited you and you thought yeah actually I'm, I'm loving this what what is it so I love baking which is like the number one for me I've always wanted to do something like it's never really been about the money um it's kind of been like I enjoy doing it and I want to do this if I can to make a living um but I think what kind of caught me with when I was baking for other people and giving it to my neighbours and stuff was it just makes people happy um and it's so easy to do um and if I'm enjoying it as well then it's just like a given bonus yeah. so. so what's your what's the vision then for lockdown what lockdown loaves what's it what's it all going to be about um so the plan with lockdown loaves is to kind of really tune in with the local produce that's available to us so there's a farm just down the road um it's all very like clicky um in the area that it's situated in um so the farmer down the road i went to school with his daughter um and all that kind of thing he's going to provide us with like our sausage meat um because he rears pigs um, and like any bread that we don't sell in the day, we're going to send back to him and he's going to feed the pigs with it. And it's going to be like a full circle kind of, um, situation. So there's no waste. Um, cause I really want it to be as sustainable as possible. Um, and then, um, at, like any local veg or anything like that, we can get hold of. Um, I've just got in contact with a local chicken farm, um, to supply us with our egg. Um, cause I really want to get chickens myself, which I've actually tried to get hold of this morning. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously quite labor intensive and a little bit more complicated when you've trying to run a business at the same time you're gonna need so, a lot of things <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah just really trying to tune in with what's available to us locally and what is as ethical and realistic as possible um as a business because a lot of things um you know that are sort of ethical local sustainable and all this kind of thing tend to be more expensive because there's a lot more work that goes into it, it needs a lot more organization um so as long as it's financially viable for us to do so is that accessibility thing from a price perspective really important to you as well as the other elements that you talked about yeah i think you need to find the balance because the customer base that we're going to have with regards to the local residents will only be able to afford a certain price point and in order for us to be able to charge what they're able to pay it needs to be financially viable all round um so it's, it's a real kind of battle just trying to find what's going to work for everyone without 
subsidizing is that the right word subsidizing yeah. quality yeah because um, the quality is huge for us obviously we want everything to be as good as it can be what do you when it comes to that local demographic where about is it in bristol actually where so it's in winterbourne uh-huh. um so it's kind of i think it's west bristol I, everyone always asks me this and i never really know i just know bristol is bristol and the little different areas yeah. i think it's west i basically i grew up in the area my dad went to the school too um so did all of my family um so it's very kind of personal to me um i mean before i'd even advertised that we were opening the bakery i just got the keys and people were already poking their head in the door and being like oh i've heard you're opening a bakery <laughs> Wow. What do you think from a, you know, thinking from a kind of a creative and a product perspective, what, what are you going to tempt them with? What do you think they're, they're going to be looking for in this local bakery? So I originally was thinking really selfishly um, and was like, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to make that and that'll be really cool. Um, and then I really quickly realised that what people need in the area isn't necessarily what I want to do all the time. So there's gonna be a lot of like the sourdough loaves and the catchers and like all the really cool stuff that I think people don't understand that they like until they try it. Yeah. Um, so that you kind of force people onto the, the, the right track. But at the same time, because there's a school nearby and I think they have 2000 pupils or something like that, it's a huge academy. Um, I'm still gonna to need to have the crowd pleasers, like, you know, the donuts with the crazy fillings and the cookies and everything that people just want to eat. Um, because if I was going to a bakery, that's the stuff that I would buy too. Um, so like your cinnamon buns, um, sourdough sandwiches, but like a really small selection of great produce that will change weekly regarding yeah. what we can get um, that's local to us from the farms and stuff like that. Um, so just really just trying to keep it as simple as possible and not go too out there with what we're doing yeah. um, and at the same time listening to what people are asking us for if it's not there and changing the menu regarding what they want. And what, what's your vision for the the role that the bakery will play in the in the community? I always pitch the story to them so my worst hate in London was that I could go to the same bakery every morning for a coffee and a pastry and they'd never remember my name or recognise me and I love the sense of going somewhere like if we get the same person in every two days or once a week or whatever and remembering who they are and just being like hey welcome back or something like that like I just love if people especially with what's happened lately with coronavirus there are so many people that are so alone and isolated from other people a sense of like a family feel um yeah. within the bakery that people can go to and just feel like at home i guess you mentioned um uh, crowd pleasers sourdough loaves donuts any thoughts and plans to get into some of the perhaps the adjacencies you often find with bakery like coffee as an example is that something or are you going to be purely focused on on the on the, on the bakery element um 100 so originally i was like just a bakery it's just going to be a bakery and then when you think about um where you can get that extra money from with regards to like coffees and stuff like that that you can then use the kind of profits from that in order to make your pastries bet that bit better without charging extortionate prices um so i've got in touch with a local coffee um i say local so they are called triple co-roast <laughs> um they are in the center of bristol they're awesome it's three guys that just started this business together and they fly out to Colombia, which is where their coffee is sourced from. And they meet the farmers and they make sure that everything's being done. Uh, like they know his name. I think his name's Jose. Um, 
and they know his family and they know like everything that's going on up there and they make that a point to like go out there every now and then make sure everything's okay with them and it's all just really ethical which I love about them and they seem to have the same kind of drive as we do with regards to the quality and everything that needs to be right about it yeah the va- the value principles or the purpose or whatever yeah because I think if we were doing everything else a certain way and then we were just going to get in the coffee like whatever coffee we need just you know just make some money out of it it would just completely destroy the whole project um in my eyes you mentioned that you mentioned ethics and quality a few times if you if you could you know identify kind of five things and say lockdown loads is going to be about this and this and this and this what what would those kind of key key words or key messages that would make up the purpose of lockdown loads what would they be if i were to describe it what i wanted it to be in five words or what i wanted people to think of when they thought of it it would definitely be like locally sourced ethical sustainable family orientated i can't think of a fifth word but that kind of vibe um just everything like i don't want any negative thoughts around it i want it all to just be done the right way properly Uh, and why why does all of that stuff matter to you um because i think that it's a it's a big aspiration but but to but to you why why are those things even important i think with regards to sustainability and waste um, management and stuff like that i think it's because i've been through so many different roles in within my career that i've seen so many things go to waste on such a high scale without even having a thought i like i spoke about this quite a bit in in the talk that i did with you guys Um, not long ago I think when you see it happening and it's just not even you know no one even thinks about it it's just happening and no one thinks oh is this wrong or is this right it's just how it is yeah Um, and if it's questioned there's no explanation for it I think that that was a real eye-opener for me and that it needs to be a thought Um, because when I then started trying to use that things you realize how much more you can get out of it and all that kind of thing and it just it's it doesn't make sense to not that's how business should be started Um, thinking about those things and how you can avoid that from not being a goal perhaps some of the things that you would hope to be famous for from a product perspective that are just going to be lockdown loads just do that so well you know yeah I think if I'm going by what's already kind of been happening people are obsessed with the cinnamon buns um so we do cinnamon buns and it's made they're made out of croissant dough so it's all laminated um so they're really different to a normal cinnamon bun but they're pretty epic if if I do say so myself And what else? People love the salted caramel tart. The sausage rolls look pretty good as well. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the sausage rolls. Um, the the meat that we're using is amazing. It's from Poplar's Farm, which is just down the road. Um, and yeah, they're, I mean, they they have the same kind of thought process as us with advice to everything, so. I've seen you've been experimenting with um, a gluten-free. Yeah, so it's really difficult when it comes to gluten-free products because we'll be a wheat bakery. Um, so I can 100% guarantee that it not got traces of gluten or anything like that and that'll go for all of our allergens um, but I think it's important to kind of have the option because I think that now it's a lot of a, it's more of a health choice with a lot of people rather than an allergy because um, I can't physically you know cater for allergies um, 100% without the risk so I'm kind of trying to put that in there because there's a lot of people that it is a health choice for them um, I have a lot of friends that are 
gluten uh, gluten free sorry um, and even vegan um so i think it's important to try and cater for everyone yeah um, we've had so many requests for gluten-free bread it's crazy i'm sure and have you have you managed to get the the, the gluten-free sourdough to uh, to work it's getting there i'm not doing a reveal yet because i've been pretty avidly posting on my stories the kind of process and the trials and tribulations of it yeah, we've been um, following you. yeah. And I've kind of stopped now for a little while because I'm really trying to get it right before I post up kind of the end result um, because it's been so much more difficult than I thought it was going to be, if I'm honest. Well, um, as we often say, the things that are ownable are the things that are really hard to do. So yeah. Yeah, I really hope that, you know, is success for you because that, that, yeah, if you can get that right, um, you'll be drawing from well beyond uh, West Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely going to get there eventually. It's just, it's very time consuming. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So we're, we're really clear on our purpose as the food people. We're all about shifting the future of food and drink by harnessing the power of trends um and how do you see what your you know, the journey that you're now embarking on as you know doing your bit to shift the future of food and drink i think that in a sense we've almost been forced into it um and you have to kind of because no one knows what's going to happen you know there could be a, another spike and everything could collapse again which is terrifying um but with regards to shifting the food world forward, everyone's had to adapt. Um, and I think we've adapted in the sense of, it's almost a safety net for me personally, um, because I didn't know what was gonna happen with the, the hospitality world, still don't, um, it's so unpredictable. So if anything, for, for me personally, this has been a safety net because I know that I can kind of make it adapt if there was a second peak and keep it open because I started it during lockdown. <laughs> So um, I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity and the means to, to be able to start something like this in a time like this. Um, but I don't think there's a better time to do it, to be honest. Um, I've always wanted to. Um, this has kind of pushed me off the cliff a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this the impetus to do it. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the things that you've perhaps built in? Because you've talked a couple of times about um you know if there was another lockdown we'd be able to cope and adapt what what perhaps are the things that you built in to either your business model or your kind of processes that mean that you would be able to respond should that happen again so um one of the huge things is that when i started this um it was deliveries everything is i'm still delivering to people now um and initially it was just because no one could go anywhere everyone was on lockdown and it was essential um travel only and all this kind of thing unless it was for a functioning business that was allowed to run within the guidelines and if there was another spike i could either a you know continue to do deliveries and go down that route of it because i think that that was hugely successful um, with such little advertisement that I had. Um, and the other thing that I've done within the bakery is everything's on wheels. Um, so we have a huge counter going throughout the bakery um, where people will get served across and where all the pastries are going to be and that kind of thing. Um, that is then able to be brought right forward to the front of the shop so that the doors are the counter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it is so easy to adapt just for takeaways um which was a huge thought process when we were designing it because we're like what are we going to do <laughs> if this all goes south again um but yeah everything is so easy to just kind of push forward have takeaways as little confrontation as possible um all of the front so i know a lot of bakeries have like their pastries out 
um, and stuff like that. Everything's sort of perspects. Um, so you can still see everything that looks like it's on display and all that kind of thing, but it's all very covered and um, concealed and stuff like that. Because I think going forward, that's what everyone's going to have to do yeah. um, from a safety point of view. And in terms of the, the setup of the bakery, I'm assuming it's going to be very open, open, very open plan and very transparent. Yeah, so the whole front room is kind of an open kitchen style. Um, the ovens are at the front, so you can see like everything being pulled out and stuff like that, which is really fun. Um, that wasn't a plan, <laughs> but the oven wouldn't fit to the back room. <laughs> it wouldn't go through the doors. So, um, but I mean, it looks, it's going to look really cool. Um, you'll be able to see a lot of like the mixing and the folding and the shaping of bread and stuff like that. But yeah, the majority of it is you walk in and it, you see what you see is what you get essentially. Have you been inspired at all by other other bakeries around the world? And I can, you know, from my own travels, I can think of like Loon Croissanterie in Melbourne and Tartine in San Francisco. Are there any, any that, uh, and, and obviously, it's not about copying, but are you, have you been inspired by any, by any of those types? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think that everything that I see is inspiring. Um, with regards to like social media, it's huge. Um, in, I'm constantly on Instagram when I'm not working, just like looking at what everyone else is doing. Because yeah. um, I think the food world now is so transparent with regards to what people are doing. There's no secrets anymore. Um, so yeah, Tartine was a huge influence for me. Always has been. I think they were the main reason I started making bread in the first place. Oh, really? about it. Yeah. In Bristol, Faro, Faro Bakery are killing it at the moment. Yeah. Um, they're my main, like, I want to be like them. <laughs> Yeah. And then with regards to when I was working in London, I took huge inspiration from like the Little Bread Peddler, Poppins yeah. are yeah. absolutely killing it. The, a few chefs, a few of the bakers from the Little Bread Peddler have actually helped me out massively. Um, really? That's like advice or recipes and stuff like that. Um, Coombs Head Farm, I went and did a stage there with Ben Glazer and he was just, it was amazing. Um, what you can learn from like one individual in such a short space of time. But yeah, I think I, a little bit from everything. I just, everything that I've learned over the years has just kind of come from little places that I kind of love. I really, yeah. I really get when, when you were talking about the community, how you want uh, lockdown loaves to service the community. The first place I thought about was Tartine. You know, I've been there quite a few times and it is served by yeah, the people that are around it. It's a, it's a community. Obviously, it's an institution. It's so much bigger yeah. than that. But it, at its heart, it's a community bakery. Uh, it, what's, the, what's the opening date for lockdown loaves? Oh God, that's the golden question, isn't it? <laughs> um, when we first got in, we were like, we'll open on the 1st of July. <laughs> um, and then so many hiccups and so many things that you don't know are going to happen and delays and things like that. The opening date is to be confirmed still, I'm afraid. I'm still pushing for the end of July. It's looking unlikely at the moment. Um, Summer 2020 then? Yeah, I mean, the latest would be August at some point, I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're trying to get there. <laughs> so that concludes this episode of the Food People in Conversation with Hannah. On behalf of us all at the Food People, thank you for joining me today. You've given us a fascinating insight into how you're shifting the future of food and drink. And it's been a true pleasure to speak to you again today. Uh, do join our Food People community for the details of our recent In Conversation with episodes, as well as all the latest free to access food trends for site. Visit thefoodpeople.co.uk and complete your details at the footer of the page. 
On behalf of Hannah and myself, thanks for listening to the Food People in Conversation with. How are you shifting the future of food and drink?